elegant universe. First, yeah, but first, th- not every book first, will be that one. Okay, so save that. Copy paste. <laughs> overlay. Done. Okay, pheasant talk book review section. This week, we're covering Chapter 1, The Elegant Universe by Brian Greene. No. Yeah. All right. Um, so it was you, – you guys read the first chapter. I mean, what do you guys surmise it's about? Like th- this book, I've read it before, and I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of the search for everything. It's, it's the, the idea that, that everything can be connected somehow. And, and and it goes through like in a very scientific way that it, it lists evidence and theories on how to connect this evidence. What do you guys think? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, read the first chapter of The Elegant Universe <coughs> by Brian Greene. I thought it was informative yet not overbearing. It was kind of cool um, to learn about um, Einstein, his special and general theories of relativity and quantum mechanics and how those try to explain things within like kind of the same discipline but are are not complementary at all. Actually, they conflict with each other. Yeah, actually, so I'll give like a quick synopsis of like what the first chapter was just so we're kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brian Greene, he's trying to connect this evidence and, and this evidence is, is what science knows of this, this universe, of this world and what what's known i guess as whatever so he starts off with these three conflicts the first one is like light like maxwell's theories and newton's theories like conflict directly in that if you follow newton's theories you can catch up to light where maxwell's stuff on electromagnetism and this luminous ether like you don't have the ability to catch up to something emitted from you so there's like initially a direct conflict so what einstein did he came along and he, he invented like special relativity so he gave his set of equations for a solution that that space and time are malleable in that it's relative to the perspective of the viewer so if the viewer changes so does space and time <coughs> which allows you to catch up to light or not that that creates another conflict so that's part of like what you were saying is like i found really interesting that that for one problem you you might find a solution but it creates three more problems and and so what he show he says at the beginning is is in these three conflicts that there's a problem with the speed of light, so in one solution he finds three more problems. Um, before we get too much further into the nitty gritty of this, I just want to um, bring up a little bit that I read from the preface. Um, the purpose of Brian Greene writing this book was actually to, um, I guess, inform um, maybe just. A casual reader, someone with a casual interest in physics. Um, Definitely, like he doesn't like that. You don't see any equations. There's not like he doesn't overcomplicate anything. He breaks it down in plain English, like pretty much, which is like what initially drew me to the book. Right. He wants to make it as accessible to as many people as possible, and I think that's a really cool thing that he's trying to do with this discipline. 
Um, I myself, I felt like I was um, absolute, I guess, ignorant uh, when it comes to physics, and, and I feel like I've taken my first step into that discipline. Yeah, so like back to what we were talking about, the three conflicts. He, he starts off the book with these three conflicts. Firstly, that night light, it, there's a problem like uh, with its innate speed and how we relate to that. So Einstein, Einstein solves that problem, but in, in solving that problem, he creates the other problem with gravity, where in his special relativity, stuff can't travel instantly because he limits the speed of light at sea, whatever, 300 million, whatever the speed is. So then he creates general relativity to solve the problem with gravity, how instantaneously gravity, gravity can transfer over time. You guys ever seen like how they put like gravity curves over massive objects or light can bend over massive objects? Yes. Yeah, stuff like that. And the third conflict is that, that with all these things ex explaining light and then simple relativity, special relativity and general relativity, it leads to the disconnect of, of general physics to quantum mechanics. So Einstein's really good at explaining stuff that happens like from throwing a block off a table to the, the orbits of Saturn and what happens near a black hole, but he has no solution when it comes to stuff smaller than an atom or the size of an atom. So those, those set of equations don't connect to those set of equations. So Brian Greene introduces this, this idea of string theory in connecting these two major branches of physics in one unifying theory. He goes on to describe like all the building blocks of everything. And it's interesting because there's only like 12. So there's only 12 particulate things in the entire universe that, that make up everything. Yeah, and you're right. And the faster they throw stuff at other stuff, <laughs> or the more faster they just make more. more. Yeah, and then what's, what's crazy is we know what exists for long periods of time, what we consider a long period of time. But a lot of stuff that they've been find, finding happens, it, it only lives for like a millionth of a second in natural environments and stuff. So it's cool to know it's there. But later, actually, he does talk about, talk about the philosophy of even knowing these things and like how much it matters and or doesn't matter. Because will it change anything I, if a unifying theory is even found or if these two groups of physics can be related? I mean, we still pay taxes. We still... Like, nothing really changes. I think that was my favorite part of the chapter where he's like, well, you know, even if you find these truths or find, like, these fundamental building blocks, you know, it's not going to solve biology or it's not going to, you know, change anything really. It's going to allow for us to have a foundation to build on. But it's like people are scared of finding these, like, unifying traits because it kind of dwindles, like, you know, nature and beauty, everything down to these. Like, you're you're right because, like, like, I think it's a really human thing to organize things into nice categories, but that doesn't have to mean anything or that doesn't have, we don't have to, it doesn't detract from like what you experience. Right. So, so yeah, I mean this, this like gives nothing plus minus or anything towards religion or ideologies either way. Like it just, it goes over the 12 particulates of the universe and then it goes over the four forces. There's only four forces in the entire universe, which is kind of crazy that ever exists. You know, I thought it was really cool that, um, it actually went over Einstein and, you know, a little bit about his life um, in the first chapter where it said after he had kind of made this, I guess, physics breakthrough, you know, with uh, general and special relativity, everybody was really focused on quantum mechanics. And he himself 
was focused on trying to develop this unifying theory or the theory of everything or super string theory or string theory for short, which is kind of what we have the capabilities technology-wise to actually get into just because of the day and age and, of course, because of the time that has passed and the advancements made during that time that has passed um, that, of course, he just didn't have. He was just born a little too early, I guess. Yeah, I think that's been, like, the quest of physics, like, as long as physics has, has existed, is just to connect everything. But just for those who don't know, like, the basic idea of what string theory is, so we know, we know these 12 particles and their sizes and their speeds and, like, what they interact with and what they go through or not. But what this does is it turns those four particles into an infinite point, an infinitesimal point moving in an elastic rubber band loop that's infinite along some vibrating and oscillating loop, if that makes sense. So if that infinitesimal point vibrates or oscillates in a different pattern, that tau or that muon or that electron can shift to an up quark or a down quark, changing what that is. So it gives rise to infinite possibilities, and, and it's just a way to connect these small things to bigger things. Whoa, spoiler alert, Raul. Save some for the reader. That was actually page My eight. Um, yes, yeah, string theory. Yeah, um, so he, that's just a brief description of what it is. It's, so it, it's just the, the idea that, that we have these small things, and we have a list of equations that solve for these small things. We have a list of equations for big stuff, and it, it, it ties these small things to big things. Which are in conflict at the time. Well, it's just there's no way to tie these together mm -hmm. now. And what this does is it, through vibrating, oscillating rubber bands. I feel like it's string theory, and of course its development right now is just kind of looking to be that bridge between these two conflicts. So that's really, really cool. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. That whole, like, philosophical side of it, that even if we do figure anything out or if anything more is found, like, what does that mean for people? I, I, I've always had, like, like a really innate thing just to catalog and categorize everything. Um, and, and like we are saying, I think it's just human nature to do that, but the meaning is still open. I, and I like that he's not pushing any meaning on anybody. I like that he presents different views, like, a really stark, like, just, like, bland view. Like, okay, so if we find these you know these infinite loops and it explains how everything behaves there's some people who are going to reject it because it's going to take away from the wonder that is like you know what they experience when they see like a tornado or something whereas there's other people who are going to you know see it and accept that it's just the way things are and i think he makes a really he describes it really well in a way that he's not really pushing the science on you he's just saying look this is what we're trying to find and it's not going to affect anything that you're experiencing at the time you know what i mean i yeah. really enjoyed that Really cool, yeah, I agree. And um, I, I don't know if you guys enjoyed chapter one, but I, I, yeah, I, I thought it was cool, informative, not too serious. Absolutely. Um, hopefully we continue with this book. And um, there's actually stuff later in chapter five and six that like really blew my mind that you see things every day, but you don't really relate them to the universe because everything in some way is affecting everything. So, yeah, thanks for uh, listening. This was um, Pheasant Talk book review. Absolutely. Uh, we're reading and once we're again. The Elegant Universe. Yeah, Elegant Universe, Brian Green. Please, um, we welcome you to read along with us, if you please. This is chapter one. <laughs> yeah, and we'll be over. We'll be covering chapter two next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you.